Welcome to The Resonance, the podcast about energy and sustainability from Alpha Energy Group. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alpha Energy Group podcast. I'm Jeremy Nicholson, Corporate Affairs Officer at Alpha. And I'm joined for my fortnightly catch-up on the commodity markets by my colleague Jason Durden, Head of Energy Markets and Risk Management at Alpha. Now, Jason, recent news has been dominated by concerns over Russian gas, specifically gas flowing through the pipeline, the Nord Stream 1 pipeline to Germany, which is down for maintenance. Big concerns about whether those gas flows will will resume, if at all, and if they do, when. How have the markets taken this this concern and, and what's the situation at the moment? Good morning, Jeremy. I think uh, August being uh, the equivalent of £5 a therm on the TTF tells you all you need to know about what the market thinks of it. Generally, there is a, not panic, but there is a uh, very real sense of crisis uh, in mainland Europe at the moment around what might happen. And we understand from the newswires this morning, just ahead of the the due back date on Nord Stream 1 maintenance, that uh, Europe will be publishing the, the EU this time rather than any specific government will be uh, publishing its paper on you know what to do to preserve energy to get through the winter etc 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 so there is a general sort of uh, uh, you know crisis management there in the UK we're seeing a little bit less of that you know bear in mind that there probably are some economic opportunities there if it continues like that I mean possibly won't be on the summer uh, and that's what the price indicators are telling us but you know, August gas in the UK at the moment is about half the price. But turning to whether Nord Stream 1 comes back or not, Newswires were putting out uh, yesterday some pretty positive news. Didn't really reflect in prices, but that's, you know, there's lots of lots going on and a complete lack of dearth of liquidity in the markets at the moment. So, you know, and while there are a few buyers out there, the sellers are more than prepared to hold them to, you know, a merry ransom, as it were. So I think if we get to Friday, and I think it would be too much to ask to see anything in the early part of tomorrow morning, the 21st. Um, but if we get to Friday and there isn't any gas uh, coming through Nord Stream 1, I think that would be negative. Not completely unlikely, but uh, I think some gas is going to be positive. And the indications from unattributable sources are that the Russians are prepared to send down what they were sending before the 11th of July turnoff. And, and that would be positive because I think that means that we can pretty much get to 80% given a fair wind and no unplanned maintenance issues. Indeed, uh, any news on those on that front would be positive at the moment. And you mentioned the 80% target. This is the EU target to um, uh, have storage facilities uh, full in, in continental Europe. And this has an impact on the UK market, of course, doesn't it? Because there are only a certain number of ways of getting gas into Europe which is a, a net consumer of gas. And, you know, the UK and its LNG terminals are one route for that, which is part of the reason we're temporarily awash with gas in the UK. So this has a direct impact on our market, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. I mean, on, on a one level, there's 75 million cubic metres of gas going through the UK and into Europe every day, has been since April. And that's all about the storage play I know, and the hard economics of it as well, really. I mean, you know, if, if TTF is trading at 150 euros uh, and the UK is trading at £2.20 uh, £2. a therm, then, uh, you know, you can do the maths. Uh, it's uh, It's half price in the UK. And that's purely because we have 
haven't really got anywhere to store it and if we're not using it then um you know it has to be exported and as i said it's being exported at the pretty much maximum capacity or maximum nominations um ever since april so it, it will be interesting to see what happens in the winter i think you know the uk does depend on imports during the winter and i think at this stage they look even more unlikely so it really does then i flip to the performance of uh, Norwegian and UKCS and UKCS is up and being encouraged to run uh, harder and as hard as it can but also on the LNG and LNG as last year before any war in the Ukraine or, or, or conflict in the Ukraine the question is what's the weather conditions and what is the Asian appetite for bidding LNG going to be will Freeport actually ramp up meaningfully and be fully repaired and fully delivering its LNG into Europe before the end of this year. You know, all of those imponderables really keeping the market on edge, I think. Indeed. And, uh, you know, one, one should remember that however tough things are for UK consumers at the moment, and they certainly are, uh, including business users, it's very, very tough for continental energy companies, isn't it? And bailouts starting to occur in Germany and elsewhere. So what's the latest on that? Well, so EDF have been talking about renationalising the 19% of the business that they uh, was in private ownership for a little while. Certainly dates back to last year sometime, possibly longer than that. We saw a little bit of more talk about two weeks ago on the same subject. And then lo and behold, last week, the government moved in France and the shares were suspended. And we will expect uh, in due course to understand how the, the remaining 19% will be brought back into complete state ownership so already the French have been a first mover there and they've effectively renationalized their ailing power company which is having all sorts of problems with its uh, sort of nuclear fleet at the moment um, in terms of output and at the moment boiling rivers and reduced output even further a little bit further afield of course the uh, the Eon spin-off uh, Uniper the fossil fuel giant there the uncomfortable truth there is that um, the major stakeholder in Unipa is one of the Finnish utilities and therefore the Finnish government de facto is a major shareholder in that and obviously that is causing some difficulty for the German taxpayer to be expected to bail out another nation state's investment. So that one wrangles on but uh, you know watch with interest I think uh, this will be the first of a number of major sort of state forays back into the energy field as we try and traverse through what is and what was always going to be um, the most difficult winter probably in, in energy history, certainly in deregulated energy history. Well, the, the greater involvement of government, I'm afraid, from a personal perspective, doesn't doesn't necessarily fill me with great confidence, but I suspect it's, it's unavoidable in some of these instances, at least in the short term. And we shouldn't kid ourselves, shouldn't, should we? Indirectly, this has a profound impact on the UK market and expectations here. It's not just gas that's flowing across the interconnectors. It's quite common for the UK to export power in the summer. It, it's, it's less common to be exporting in winter, which is what we might end up being doing. Uh, and, uh, you know, with that in mind, we're, we're burning a lot of gas, aren't we, in the UK when wind levels are low and even some coal at the moment, not just to meet our own power demand, but to meet that of continental Europe. That's a big shift in the UK market, isn't it? 
Yeah, so as with the gas market at the moment, Jeremy, the, the actual installed capacity is not an issue. I mean, peak demand earlier this week was less than 30 gigawatts. You know, those of us that have been doing it a while remember sort of peak winter demand at 64 gigs. Now, obviously, energy efficiency, you know, less directly reliant grid supplies, so more off-grid supplies, self-generation, et cetera, et cetera, all changes that mix. But in terms of exporting power, once again, you know, not the huge uh, spreads in power prices that you see in gas, but fundamentally we are, rather than seeing a little bit of chop every day, and usually this time of year, the UK may export some power, but you know it will probably be a net small recipient uh, in normal times. Obviously, the major driver change there is France's problems. Um, and we're exporting one and a half to two gigs a week to France at the moment, which is you know really sort of unprecedented, and uh, you know probably the shape of things to come, given that they're entering Q3. The whole of Europe has just experienced a, a, a stinging heat wave, which has constricted uh, generation in terms of the river temperature in France. Um, obviously, 50% of their fleet is offline for regular maintenance and, of course, the extended maintenance issues around the uh, corrosion seen in some of their uh, uh, reactors. So, very difficult to find any good news around at the moment. I, I suppose the UK is, whether it's, bur it's burning open cycle gas or burning uh, oil. Uh, well, it's not burning oil yet, no, but burning coal. Um, all of those things you wouldn't expect to see in the summer. But, of course, at these sort sorts of prices some of these are more price taking rather than price making so you know coal is running because it's financially attractive to run rather than it probably absolutely has to need to well quite and um i should say that on average it's it's a great thing we've got such a large wind fleet in the uk solar obviously producing huge amounts of power during the day at this time of year on on average the the wind fleet is saving quite a lot of gas consumption the problem of course is uh, is um meet, meeting the peaks and, and periods when the wind is low so let's let's hope hope wind levels stay up over the months ahead and but looking rather wider and, and talking about oil which you mentioned briefly there i mean there've been some pretty astonishing developments in in the oil markets and also politically with you know, President Biden going cap in hand to the Saudis. How have things been moving on that front? Yes, yeah, so uh, I think um, the lack of any statement, official statement or otherwise, after the uh, the uh, presidential uh, visit to uh, the Middle East, especially post-Saudi meeting, spoke volumes about where that relationship is. I think from what I understand, I think more oil will come out of uh, Saudi and the UAE in the coming months, but it will be done in a business as usual OPEC manner. Uh, and that's obviously been driven by the Saudis. Um, obviously, the Fine Balancing Act is actually the Saudis from the start of the COVID crisis, the whole inclusion of Russia as the plus bit in OPEC plus has meant that actually that's probably been one of the one of the golden periods for the cartel in recent years where things have kind of worked in a fashion because they've had to work under huge strain, I suppose. Uh, and therefore, I think the Saudis are particularly uh, reluctant to, to let that go. Obviously, relationships over 
various civil rights things and, and human rights have uh, uh, have soured a bit between the uh, the, the Saudis and the current uh, and even the previous administration in the US. I think if we look at oil, oil is really uh, an interesting place at the moment. It's a bit of a day trader's paradise. It's it's very fast moving around a fairly narrow trading band. You know, if you're brave enough and uh, have the margin to be able to sell into the highs and uh, uh, and buy into the lows that have occurred over the last three months, you've probably made a lot of money. That said, you know, there's a lot of sentiment in oil as well because the sentiment of uh, seeing oil or Brent crude below 100 and down to sort of 96, $97 at its low, that's driven by a, a fear of the economic outlook, which certainly for Europe looks pretty grim uh, and, and could quite easily be uh, a global recession. In terms of fuel, we're also seeing that with petrol prices. Uh, and bear in mind that, you know, on the flip side of this, and probably what is keeping it in these fairly narrowish trade or established trading bands, is the fact that, you know, there is still a very tight supply at the moment, not just of crude, but specifically more about, you know, product as well. And, you know, we go back to the old adage of, you don't, you know, the only people that use crude oil are refineries. Everyone else uses product. And, you know, we are short of diesel and we are short of gasoline. Prices don't necessarily reflect that at the moment. And that's more to do with big funds trimming back their exposure. So right up until the end of last week, we saw about six weeks of funds trimming back, not going short specifically, but trimming back their long positions. Uh, and I understand from NYMEX data that the uh, open interest in like the gasoline contracts is is at a multi-year low because you know people don't want to, to, to second guess where that's going. So really markets are really straining for liquidity at the moment across the whole energy piece and hardly surprising. But it does not make an easy place with which end users can hedge their positions because it's, it's incredibly difficult to do. It is indeed. And one last brief comment, uh, if I may. We're going through the process of changing a prime minister in the UK at the moment. In a sense, this is the dog that didn't bark, isn't it? The energy market seems to have taken this particular uncertainty in its stride. Is that because all the other issues are so much greater or is it because actually there's probably not going to be much change in energy policy in, in the short term as far as the UK is concerned? Yeah, I think you nailed it there, Jeremy. I think given the uh, given the spectrum of things that are happening in the world at the moment, the change of a uh, change of leadership at the top of the Tory Party in the United Kingdom is uh, is well down the rankings. It's unlikely there will be significant policy change in the short term, anyway, because I mean, as much as they, only yesterday with the uh, forty degree temperatures, where we saw um, uh, the, the outgoing Prime Minister telling everybody how you know Britain leading the way, being the first to uh, uh, net zero by 2050, etc., uh, etc. Et well, the reality is that actually they're uh, encouraging oil and gas to be produced in the great, greatest numbers. It has been for a little while because the, the short-term solution is not uh, is not about 2050. It's about keeping the lights on. So uh, I don't actually. I think there's mixed messages coming out of the existing uh, uh, administration or, or executive. So uh, I, I don't think that can muddy the waters too much further at the moment. But yeah, look, I think. As far as in the regional and global context, it's uh, business as usual. Whoever of the uh, three remaining candidates becomes the next Prime Minister of Great Britain. 
Indeed, and an interesting point I'm sure to pick up on um, in a couple of weeks' time. Well, thank you, Jason, for explaining all that and putting things in context. If you'd like to find out more, have a look at our website, alphaenergygroup.com forward slash UK, and have a look at the reports there. And do listen out for another podcast again from us soon. <laughs>